knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. This is the podcast where you seek outdoor stories, tips, tricks, advice, strategy, all the things that go into a hunt. We bring them to you in a fun, energetic way, and our hope is sincerely that you go home and feel inspired, confident, get off the couch, and go out and pursue the great outdoors just a little bit harder having listened to us. As I said, my name is Walt, and I am joined from across the state with a legendary, I'm talking legendary co-host, Chase. Dude, how are you? Oh, dude, I'm doing great. It's funny because you always say that I'm coming from across the state, <laughs> which I, I find kind of funny, but That's we're true. a lot closer than just across the state, but I'm definitely in a different area, different zone than what you are, but... <laughs> Technically yeah, speaking, I'm not across the state. <laughs> People were like, oh, Walter's in North Florida, JC. He must be hunting in South yeah, Florida. Yeah, just so anybody something. who hears that and listens, that's why he kills all the um, good deer, because they're all over there. He lives so far away, you know, he benefits uh, from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because everybody knows South Florida's known for giant, giant deer. Now, oh, they yeah. do come up. Now, there are pockets that do have yeah. some big bucks in South Florida. There's no doubt. Um, and those guys, I mean, yeah. a mature deer is a mature deer yeah. anywhere, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I always think it's funny because you're like, oh, I'm joined from – You know, I never thought about the that until side you just of the brought state. that up. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, two man. hours. Oh, <laughs> man. Well, dude, we are going to be talking a lot about you today. Um, and I'm kind of excited about that because, you know, I think the listeners, I don't know, maybe they think they take it for granted, but I get to, you know, I get the benefit of talking to all these people and, you know, whether it's a guest, whether it's you, I learn as much from them as the listener does. And tonight's going to be no exception to that. Um, I think that they're going to find that this, uh, this podcast may be more or less relevant to them. I think that, uh, what you, what we're about to unpack will probably apply to some extent to most people, uh, but if you're a southerner uh, or a uh, Florida hunter, it's probably going to apply to you uh, especially so. So if you're you're from up north, there might be uh, some things you can apply. I'm sure there are. Uh, you may just it may not be as cut and dry because tonight we're going to be talking about deer number four, buck number four for Chase this year. The dude, you have got the hottest hand of anybody in the deep south right now. 
(laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I've been hearing that from a lot of people, not just you. So uh, most people think I've got like a... (laughs) Lucky horseshoe or rabbit's foot or something like that. Oh. <laughs> and I, I, I roll with it most of the time. I mean, most people, like I've mentioned before, they just think I'm this lucky guy in general uh, to begin with uh, just because right. of how things work out for me and stuff like that. Um, but th- with luck, there's also yeah. a lot of work that goes <laughs> into the stuff that I do as well. They, they're not with me all the time. Exactly. Uh, kind of behind the scenes with uh with chase so if i could bring them along for a season i, I would think that yeah, their yeah, minds yeah. would probably well change I, some. I think i think whenever people you know parker has in the past even remarked parker mcdonald's southern ground he he's been like dude chase he just he gets managed to get on deer dude and i'm like okay well first off the guy is always scouting year round he's into it and uh the dude hunts like a madman so like <laughs> it, it's not like he just wakes up and says, oh, you know what? I feel like going and killing a deer today. You know, like there's a whole lot more to it. And that's kind of what we're going to break apart today. And I think that's why I'm so excited because I want to show everybody that you work harder uh, than people seem to think. And I, I just want to put that on highlight. I kind of want to break that down. I want to learn from you. I Ever since uh, the Andy May episode that we dropped, which was last week, uh, we've had a lot of new hunters reach out and say, "Hey, what do I what am I doing wrong here? What am I doing wrong there?" and, and, and stuff like that. So tonight we're going to try and give you some of those pieces because I realized through talking to some of these guys, you know, there are some really basic things that I know and you know that we take for granted having known. And there's people out there who don't, um, and they'll glean something good from it. From it, I think. Yeah, no doubt. It, it seems like there's, which is, this is a, actually a good thing. It seems like there's a lot of new, right. like, adult onset hunters out there right now. And they're just seeking information from anywhere they can get it. And a lot of them have found podcasts. And they f- are using these podcasts kind of as a tool. And sometimes maybe we don't cover those things on the podcast or whatnot. And then you start getting questions because you'll start, you'll, like, text me these questions I'm like, where are these questions coming from? You're like, oh, they're they're listeners of the show. They're just they're just trying to get any like little tidbit of information or tips or something that can make them successful in the woods, whether <coughs> whether it be through uh, hunting hogs or hunting deer or whatever they they may be pursuing. And we're we're trying to kind of monitor that kind of stuff and try to like reach out to guests and stuff that may be able to uh, help them out or just stuff that we can say or do on the podcast as well. Um, that can give them a chance to have uh, better success because I know myself being Mm -hmm. an adult onset hunter that if you weren't kind of brought up in those situations or whatever you 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 don't really know when people are saying certain things on like a podcast like they may say something you're like what is that and then you're like oh let me go back and google this and see if it's (laughs) see if it's online somewhere but it's it's not. I'm not saying it's more difficult as an adult onset hunter or anything like that. I'm just saying that there's certain things uh, that you have to learn on the fly out in the woods, and that it also takes time in the woods. Which that's what I equate to, like a lot of my success or whatnot is just spending that time out in the woods and, and 
like digesting right. everything. Yeah, no, out. for sure. For sure. And I think, you know, you and I have talked about numerous ways that we can visually put this in front of people. And I think maybe this summer you and I will end up being able to work on a video where maybe we can show people some aerial stuff. I, I've been kind of playing with uh, some some uh, screen recording uh, software where uh, I think maybe you and I can sit there and kind of maybe go to some of these areas, like pick a spot and kind of break it down. Uh, not because we're the experts, but because, you know, I, I think it'd be cool for people to see like the area in which you killed some of your deer. If, you know, if I can get down there to Gainesville and we can, we can do a, a recording and show people what it looks like on, on foot, maybe that's a visual cue that they can take from there and apply to themselves. And one day they're ambling through the woods and like, Oh, I have seen this before. And they can apply it because some of this is kind of, like you said, you just have to kind of run into it on your own. Right. And I mean, there's only so much right. like yeah. aerial scouting you can do yep. in Florida that, that I found. I mean, I'm not an expert at aerial scouting by any means, but looking at like some of the properties that I hunt or even some of the public land places I go to, you can look at the aerial, but then you find when you get there, you're like, man, this just does right. n- this doesn't right. really equate to what I'm seeing on the aerial, which it could be just an old photo or an old picture of that area as well. But you're not dealing with elevation right, and, right, 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 and right. stuff like that in Florida. It's just, I mean, in some areas you're dealing with it a little bit, but like the, all the areas that I right. hunt in my area are flat. Like I'm talking about just, I mean, every now and then there may be like a little ridge or just a slight elevation change, but for the most part, they're flat. So it, it that, that kind of makes it difficult um, for sure. But there are certain things that if you get out and put boots on the ground that you can kind of like match up to kind of be like, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, man. This is what he's talking so, about. So before we get any further, we're eight minutes in. Let's thank the people who make this possible, and then we'll start to unpack what we're talking tonight. How's that sound? All right, so first off, we've got to thank our friends at Tethered. Now, if you have been plugged into social media, you know what's coming down the pipe. The Phantom Saddle has been released. I can't wait to do a review on this and get it on YouTube. Honestly, I can't wait to put my butt in one, to be completely frank with you, because there's some awesome new features on there. I mean, it is an awesome, (laughs) awesome piece of kit, and you should go to tetherednation.com and check out everything they've got coming down the pipe all the new stuff that's coming out, and stay tuned. They are always innovating, and be sure and let them know we sent you over there. Secondly, Patreon members. Guys, we can't thank you enough because without you guys, we don't get new camera equipment. We're not able to to, to host the, the website. You guys help us pay for that, and we can't thank you enough for that. We've put several videos up this year. I'm getting better and better at my editing skills, which means they can go up quicker. And uh, thus far, we've got 300 subscribers on YouTube. We're Actually, we're just under. About the time we're recording this, we've got 296 subscribers on YouTube. Let's get those numbers up. Do us a favor. Go tell one person about the podcast. Tell them to subscribe. Give them a guilt trip if you have to. Let's get them over there so that they can find out about what we're doing and we can continue to spread the Chasing Tales word. With that, I think we have done our due diligence, and I think it's time to break into why. We're going to crack open the egg of why Chase Prince is the best Southern podcast deer hunter uh, for 2019-2020. Yeah, it is. It's a title. Um <laughs> I actually had somebody else accept your award for you at the ATA show. Uh, they they gave you a a gold a little gold A that said uh, best best Southern podcast host oh, that's nice. a deer hunter. So, 
Oh, guys, if this is the first time listening, you can tell I am utterly oh. full of crap all the time. So this is just, you know, par for the course. I hope you hope you enjoy it. But, Chase, so, dude, let's just talk about briefly how did the hunt unfold. I know, I know it was this grueling all-day sit. You got in the stand at 4 a.m. You packed your vittles oh, and, your, and, your, and your hot thermos of coffee. How did it unfold? <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's kind of the opposite of what you kind of described, but – uh, that's par for the course as well. <laughs> well, you got to kind of, kind of go back a little bit, and I'll kind of put a little bit of uh, back story to this. Okay, so hunting this area. So this is this is an area that kind of butts up. Or it's a bunch of planted pines that have probably been planted about three years ago, and they kind of go in. They spray those uh, pines and stuff, and pretty much everything is kind of dead in there anyways. It's like a bunch of um, briars and a bunch of that, what do they call it, like broom sage or whatever. There's there's a bunch of that in there. It's kind of, it's kind of poor quality soil in that area. But it's, it's a big area. And late season, this area becomes good because there is a farm that is adjacent to the property that I hunt. It's actually, there's like a, a road that kind of splits it off. And every year uh, towards the end of the season, they plant some late either rye or wheat on that property. And it's always, and it's, it's a big, it's a big uh, plot. So I don't know, it's probably a 50 acre plot of this rye and wheat that they plant uh, for their cows and stuff. So, and the deer I've noticed over seasons that they like to go hit that plot um in the evening times like they'll they'll move towards that way in the evening times and then in the mornings you can kind of catch them back some um your your success is usually better though in the evening times when they kind of get up a little bit early to kind of uh start heading that way so my father-in-law, which I got to kind of give him a little bit of credit for uh, this kill <laughs> as well, as much as it pains me, <laughs> to, uh, to give him some credit because he was the first person to actually lay <laughs> eyes on this deer <laughs> that, that I killed. Um, he was, it's this area that we're hunting, it, it's, there's this, it's funny because there's, there's this big block of pines, short pines. And there's actually, it's on, we have some, like, we have one, like, main road that kind of goes uh, through it that kind of separates one section. And then that section kind of butts up to uh, where the um, big plot is on the other side of the road. But that section is kind of like a year behind uh, as far as when they planted those pines. So they're a lot shorter. And we were actually having some success early season on that one, catching deer, uh, kind of coming back in the morning times but we weren't really seeing any uh, big bucks or quality bucks or anything uh, coming off that plot right there uh, in the morning times Um, I think it was just they they had already passed uh, through that area and then there's another section that is kind of split off between this old uh, logging road and there's this it's just this logging road it kind of makes a bunch of bends and turns and then it has like one section where it's about probably 200 yards long. That's kind of straight. And we, and right where that's at, 
there's this ridge, which it, it actually is kind of like a, a true ridge. Mm-hmm. I would say it's a true Florida ridge. Um, I would probably say right there, there's probably maybe like a four or five foot elevation change right there. And it kind of runs along that whole area um, for the most part. It's just, and it, and it kind of maxes out kind of where um, we set this, um, we set a ground blind up. So sorry to <laughs> saddle hunters and all that around the world. But there was, there's actually, there is not a tree within, I would say, uh, six, oh, wow. 700 yards, maybe further than that from this area. I mean, like I said, all these pines are, I believe they're three, between three and four years old. Right. So, I mean, there's nothing to them. I mean, <laughs> the tallest one might be 10 foot tall. You know what I mean? Um, but, so you definitely can't get a saddle in any of that areas. And the cool thing about the ground blind setup right here is kind of how the road kind of, like I said, the road made like quite a few bends, but then there was this one little straight section. And you could sneak into that ground blind kind of undetected from that 200-foot section of road. And my father-in-law, he had actually uh, he had actually put like a little food plot down there. Like he had actually put like a little rye food plot down there. And uh, kind of making it more, uh, and the deer had been kind of hammering it too. Making it more of like thinking that this would be kind of like a staging right. area for deer. You know what I mean? Like... They may hit this little plot uh, before they go hit that big plot. And like I said, we had not been seeing any um, good bucks ever when we were hunting that other area, like going back and forth, um, mainly because I just think it was they, they had already made their way back. And from, let's see, from this logging road to that big plot that the, the farmer plants, is I believe around maybe a thousand yards mm-hmm. is probably the distance from where that is. And our thinking was is like these deer are probably getting on their feet in this section and starting to make their way there, but we would just never see them in where we were hunting before because we were kind of hunting like in that area we had like this big uh, tripod set up, and we like I said we weren't catching them. In the evening time, we would catch a few deer making it to there. And then in the morning times, we'd, we'd see a lot of your does and stuff coming off of it later. Um, we weren't really seeing the bucks. And I and we had had some trail camera pictures of bucks in that area, but it would always kind of be maybe 15, 20 minutes after dark. <laughs> and we were like, okay, we kind of we, we need to kind of get set up further back. And we set up, we got this set up. Uh, down this logging road and like I said we we put this ground blind in and my father-in-law hunted the ground blind oh man and we and we didn't hunt this early season at all because we kind of knew that they were going to be putting this big plot in later right. on in the season anyways and like I said there was there was nowhere to get into a tree um, or, or anything like that over there and we weren't really wanting and we had other areas that we were hunting so we just we just kind of put that kind of to the side thinking because uh, no one hunts that area either over there, because it, it doesn't look necessarily like you would think deer are in there. <laughs> but from what we found out, or what we have found out from like in the past and, and this year as well, is that there's a ton of deer that bed in there. It is just, I guess it's just bedding galore for the deer, especially when 
in most of the other areas on this property, they've been it's been pressured for the right. last three months. You know what I mean? Like all these other areas, people drive, people are hunting, um, and with all that influx, and then we also have at this time where we've had uh, pine strawers move in, and they're working in there as well. So they're taking up like some big blocks of pines uh, further north of this section, and they had been in there for like a month um, at this point. So that that had kind of spooked a lot of the deer on that section of the property as well. So we're like, so our thinking was, is like, okay, let's set up an area for late season. And neither one of us were are tagged out on bucks. I think he still has one tag left and I still have one now. Um, so we were like, okay, we've got, we've got this area. We need to kind of start focusing on it now. We had had a game camera in that area. Um, and we, we never had, we hadn't ever caught a picture of the deer that I ended up taking, uh, on camera. But the funny part is, is my buddy who, uh, also hunts in there. Um, he had a feeder that, um, he hunted that was set up probably about, I think it was like 800, 900 yards to the like Northeast of that area. And he had been getting pictures of that buck on his camera. Um, that buck was, had been on his camera probably uh, early bow season up through like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, that buck was there. I think it was, he was there a couple of times during Thanksgiving. Uh, my buddy, he hunted that area a bunch, and that buck was daylight active over there. Um, it wasn't like he was getting all nighttime pictures of him. He, there were a couple of times, and I think most of his pictures were in the evening time of this deer. Um, he was getting pictures sometimes like 30, 45 minutes um, before dark uh, in that area. And he just, it just never worked out to where when he was in there, that deer just never showed up for whatever reason, maybe the wind was wrong. He kind of, uh, and he had kind of told me this, that he assumed that that deer was bedding to the south of him in one of those, uh, pine blocks, those short pine blocks. But, and he had actually moved his stand around a bunch to try to figure this deer out. Um, he kept moving further to the south, but he still, he never laid eyes on this deer, uh, for, for whatever reason. So <laughs> anyway, so get back to, so we've got this set up. My father-in-law goes hunting <laughs> Christmas morning and he, he's also, now he's a hardcore hunter as well. <laughs> and he, he was like, okay, well, I'm, my, my thinking is because I'm just going to go hunt the first hour of, of the morning because he, he's. It's just him and my mother-in-law, and he did, he knew that we weren't going to be over at uh, their house till maybe 10, 10.30 in the morning. So he's like, ah, I'm just going to sneak out for uh, our early morning Christmas hunt, and uh, I'll get back to the house, and uh, we can do Christmas presents and all that stuff. So he hunts there Christmas morning, and in – in that time, there's deer that are kind of funneling back, and they're just kind of like nibbling and stuff, eating uh, down that, that logging road. And all of a sudden, um, he sees this deer pop out of nowhere. And he's like, oh, my gosh, that's a big deer. And it, and like I said, it, it had kind of been a struggle here for probably the last month or so, a month and a half of the season, to kind of lay eyes on a, on a decent buck. Like we had been seeing your your standard bucks and stuff, and um, still seeing a bunch of does, but as far as seeing big bucks, we just hadn't been seeing any big bucks 
um, on that property or some of the uh, the other properties that we hunt. So <laughs> he must he have been really deer, excited about it. But the thing is, is down that road. Must, that must have had him like really excited what's considering that? the fact that you hadn't seen anything big on that property yet. Yes, 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 yes. Well, but the thing is, is this this logging road. I mean, it's a long it's a, it's a long stretch, but it's not very wide. And when you have a bunch of deer down the road, you don't you may not get a shot because you're when you're hunting on the ground, everything uh-huh. is like level with you. So it's not like you you're like looking down at deer. The deer could be twenty yards back behind something, but there could be another deer in the way. And there was a but like I said, there was deer in there moving back and forth. He fed for a moment, and he just never got a shot at the deer. Like, he, he never was able to get a shot off at the deer just because there was so much going on and other deer in the way. <laughs> so he comes back and tells me Christmas morning, he's like, hey, I seen a big deer this morning. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, right. yeah, you saw a big deer this morning. He goes, no, no. And it was funny because we had uh, one of the gifts we got for Christmas, him and I, was like a right. trail camera card viewer just like one of those handheld viewers and there was a deer on the thing and he goes i saw this this morning <laughs> and i'm going yeah sure you did <laughs> sure you did um he goes no 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 As he's like he goes he had like real long tines he had he had his uh his antlers were kind of white looking and i can kind of see that because right if this deer was bedded in those pines areas right. he's getting hit by the sun all day which was always, I was kind of like, man, I was like, why would they, why? It's always like, why, why, why are right, they wanting to right, bed here? Right. But they don't get bothered. That's the thing is they're bed, they're bedded in this secluded area where they're not getting bothered. And what, and it was, like I said, it was about a thousand yards from like one of the major food sources at the end of the season for them. Um, so the, he's just, was just moving back and forth going to that. And he sees him, like I said, he, he wasn't, he said he wasn't interested in does or anything, nothing like that. Came in fed for a second. Um, there were deer in the way. He couldn't get a shot. Deer, the deer was coming, I think he said came from the west and was headed back towards the east. So I was like, okay, cool. And he went back, and then, of course, he's thinking, <laughs> okay, now it's stakeout time. <laughs> now that I've seen this deer, I'm going to have to, I, I'm going to, like, park my butt in this spot until I see him again. And I was like, okay, cool, go for it. Um, Because he, he hasn't really, he hasn't really, he hadn't really killed anything what I would call decent this year. Um, he had killed a couple of, like a, a coal right. buck off of one of our properties and he had killed another buck and a doe um, at this point. So I'm like, okay, cool. It's, it's, it's all yours. Go for it. And he, like I said, he probably hunted it. Oh man, he was sitting there. He probably sat there another six times or something um, between evening and morning sits and never saw him like he 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 was like he goes hey he goes he goes well you know how it is with a big deer yeah. you get your one <laughs> you get your one opportunity at him and then that's it like a lot of people's like oh you get that one chance at a big deer and a lot of times sometimes it doesn't materialize something always happens uh where you, you can't get a shot or whatnot and we're hunting where we were hunting off this plot was about a hundred yards, and then it was probably stretched out maybe a hundred or so. Um, so he said he was probably around 150 yards, 160 yards. So once he got done hunting that area, he's like, Hey, you should go give it a try. And I was like, Okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. Um, 
I had been hunting another area because I'd still been kind of focused on the big deer that was on the other property. And I just wasn't having any success. He, he disappeared off my cameras and stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'll go give this place, uh, place a shot. So I hunted right. it one, I hunted in a morning time and I saw, I saw a bunch of deer, but I just didn't see anything good. And I probably, I waited a few days and then I went back and I sat in it an evening time. And like I said, I saw quite a few deer, um, that evening time as well. Just not the deer that he described. <laughs> I mean, I was seeing bucks, I was seeing some does, um, and they were, like I said, right. they were coming out in plenty of daylight, um, in that spot just because it was, like I said, it was so far off. And the other thing is this, where this is at, it's probably maybe... 500 yards off of the highway but and you can hear cars going by from where you're at um in this spot especially in like the the morning time evening time areas you're you're hearing a bunch of racket but i'm like well these deer if they're better to be here they're they're used to those noises and everything else it, it doesn't it doesn't phase them so uh, and like I said, I would never see them like when cars would go by and make loud noises or anything like that. They they never like were looking up or like alerted or anything like that. It was just it was just normal for them because that's what they heard all all day, anyways, for the most part. Um, so, anyways, so I decide one evening. You know, I, it's hard to to explain this, but there are times when you just go. I've got to be out in the woods. Right. Like something is pulling me where I feel like something is going to happen and I and I need to be there. And I've always had good luck in the, in the evening times. There's nothing scientific about it or anything like that. But following like a cold front cuz we had been having like the one little cold front that we had that we've had now it's back up to summertime heat here in Florida. But we had a bunch of mornings that were kind of in the thirties and that all kind of broke and we were moving towards a warm front and we were moving towards a full moon. So I, and I had always had luck in the evening times on full moons. Like for some reason, I don't know what it is, but the deers, the, uh, I've killed quite a few bucks where it's like, they almost get up just a little bit earlier and you get a chance at them on a full moon so my wife was actually she was at work i had my kids of course right you're being pulled into the woods i'm like okay of course (laughs) of course i'm being pulled into the woods she's at work she she had kind of told me she was going to be home at this time but she wasn't which i was like okay whatever i've like i said there's no complaints if you're chasing at this point anyways (laughs) so i'm not i'm yeah yeah i'm not ever I'm not ever. I, I don't. I don't want to be those one of those guys right. that like, is always pushing <laughs> yeah. his luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's just one of those things. But anyway, so she finally gets home probably about five. And like I said, I had been messing with the kids for a while. We had been playing, and I'd actually asked my daughter that night because I'd kind of told her I was like, "Hey, do you want to go out and sit with me in this tent?" Because I had taken my son one time, and she tells me. Uh, she, she had kind of told me like a couple of days before that she would go sit with me. But then for some reason that evening, she decided that she didn't want to go. She's like, no, I don't, I don't want to go. Uh, I don't want to go with them. So I'm like, okay, cool. But then, like I said, I was still waiting on my, my wife to get home anyways. And I kind of use the kids as like, oh yeah, I'm taking the kids with me <laughs> on, on this hunt, um, as well. Whenever 
whenever she gets home. So she decided she didn't want to go. I was at the point, well, like I said, my wife had got home. It was probably like an hour left of uh, daylight. And she kind of messed around a little bit. And then I told her, I was like, hey, do you mind if I go hunt like this last 45 minutes? Because I knew the way the the ground blind was set up that I could just sneak into that area anyways. Like I'm like, because there's nothing's going to see me coming down that little logging road. And I can kind of dart into the woods, right. get in, and get set up in this ground blind. And so I probably, I got in the ground blind about 5.30 in the evening time. And it, and right now it's, I think, legal shooting lights up until like 6.20 or something. 6.20-ish or whatever. 6.15, 6.20-ish. So I get set up. Well, there was already deer there. There was already a, a, a like a young eight point. There was uh, another, like a spike. There was a doe down there, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. There's already there's already deer out here. I could see the 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 moon was already out. You know what I mean? It's like one of those times where you can <laughs> see the full moon <laughs> uh, in effect. And like I said, I I I just I just felt something. It was just just one of those weird things where I was like, okay, cool. And we had my father in law had also seen another like a nice eight point in the area. The one that he was like, hey, because I've only got one tag left. You've got a couple of tags left. Because if you see him, you might want to take him. But I was kind of like, no, I'm not shooting um, just an average deer for the area at this point. So I'm just like, I was like, I'd like to go just see what he looks like um, to kind of get a bearing. Okay, well maybe um, if, th- if this deer makes it through, what maybe what he's right. got potential for next year. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Like, okay, okay, cool. We got a a potential buck for uh, for next year. And my father-in-law had actually, it was funny because my father-in-law had actually seen him a bunch of times and I never, <laughs> and I never saw him. Um, so I'm sitting there for a little while, more deer start filtering out. And at this point, there's a bunch of deer down there. Um, there was a, uh, probably three or four bucks down there. There was quite a few does that were down there and they're all kind of darting back and forth. And I look up and from the south, kind of from the southeast, um, all I see is times <laughs> coming my way. <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, at that point I was kind of like, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> um, I knew that something was going to happen tonight. So he, he's working, uh, kind of towards me and he finally, he kind of gets down in the road, but it's the same kind of scenario that had kind of rolled out for my father-in-law in the fact that there's a bunch of deer all down this kind of, uh, narrow road and they're all kind of darting back and forth. Well, he comes in, and you could just tell that he was kind of the the man of the woods in that area. He comes in. He just starts, like, bumping deer out of the way. Uh, there was a time where he actually got up on his uh, hind legs and was, like, batting at deer. You know, kind of how you'll see kind of, like, does and stuff fight each other, or they'll, like, get up on their hind right. legs, and they're like, kind of, like, batting at each other. Like, there was a couple times he got up on his hind legs, and he was batting at stuff. And I'm going, I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this dude's feisty. But anyways, but I, I don't have a shot, but it was actually kind of good because it gave me a chance to kind of calm, calm myself because, um, initially like, right when I first saw this deer, I was like, it was like immediate, like heart starts pumping. <laughs> like, cause it, like I said, it had been a while since I'd seen a, a good buck for sure. And he comes in and like I said, I, he, he's just messing around there for a little while. Like he wasn't really um trying to feed or do anything like that he was just kind of messing with these other deer i guess just trying to get them out of the way and like i said they were all darting back and forth across the road um as well so i i just used that time to kind of like get myself set up get myself in the right um 
frame of mind to like, okay, I knew I was probably going to have about a hundred and forty or fifty yard shot on this deer once um, he finally kind of made his way in towards me. Um, and I had, like I said, I had a shooting stick. I was sitting in just a chair. And then this funny part with this chair that we had put in there, like you kind of had to, um, like lay your leg over the rail <laughs> to, uh, be able to get up to like prop up good enough to take like a steady shot. So I'm doing all that. And then, and there was this other thing is, is we had kind of, we had taken this pine tree and we had kind of like bent it, uh, like over in front of the ground blind. Cause right. the ground blind was really well hidden. Like, we did a great job of doing that, but we had taken this ground blind, and we had done that. Well, there was, like, we had used, like, a strap to hold it down. Well, kind of at the angle I was to where this deer was, like, I was looking. I was like, man, that strap's close. Like, I do not want to shoot right. this strap. You know what I mean? I was like, that would just be the worst. Like, shoot, <laughs> this pine tree pops up in the air, and then you just know, oh, my gosh, what what's happened <laughs> with this deer? <laughs> um, so... I've got a, a couple of things going on. I'm trying to like, okay, what what kind of angle do I need to get at to to be able to take a shot? Well, finally, he kind of calms down. He goes to a feeding, and there was another deer kind of close to him, but he, I had enough of a shot to where his vitals were all exposed. So I, I calm myself down, take one last little breath, and then squeeze the trigger off. Well, I look up, all the deer are gone. Like I said, the road's narrow. Like, all of the deer are gone. I didn't see a – there was like 13 or 14 deer out there. I didn't see a single deer in that road anymore. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I kind of had noticed that even after that, like, I took the shot. I didn't see, like, any dirt fly up in the air. Like, uh, maybe, a, like, a bullet, like a miss or something like that. Um, and I was like, okay. I, I, and I probably at this point – I'd probably only been sitting there maybe 20-something minutes at that point when he came out. <laughs> and I sat there for a little while, you know, just trying to – because sometimes you, you try to think about the shot that you took. You try to you try to get your bearing on, okay, this is about where he was at. Um, so I can maybe go pick up a blood trail uh, when I go down there. So I sat there for a few minutes, and I said I got all my stuff kind of up and walked down there. And the and the, the other thing to kind of mention about this spot is if you're hunting down a dim road that's small, I'm telling you, Walter, <laughs> this deer looked gigantic when he first came out. <laughs> I, I thought he was legit like 135, 140 class down that road um, when he when he first stepped out. Uh, no lie, I, I call it the Texas effect because I've been out to Texas a couple of times, right? And everything's just shorter. Like everything is is shorter out there. The trees are shorter. Um, all that stuff, and like when you first see a deer step out, you're just like, oh my goodness, that's a that's a big buck. And when they get closer to you, you're like, oh yeah, that's not that's not nowhere near as big as I thought he was. Um, but so anyway, so I get I get out, I go I, I go to look for blood. Well, I can't find any. I kind of knew kind of where he was, but not like a hundred percent. So I'm like walking up and down this road, looking for blood, and I can't find any. And I'm like, well, I, and I've had plenty of times where I've shot deer and couldn't find blood. But the thing is, is with these pines and stuff, I mean, I'm talking about it's like the like some of the thickest, nastiest stuff you can think of in these in these pine blocks down these pine rows. And I didn't want to just like immediately go in there and bump the deer out of the area if I had made a bad shot. I, like I said, I, I didn't know where the shot was because... 
all the deer were gone. I didn't see him do anything. I didn't see him kick or do anything like that because everything was gone by the time I was able to, uh, to look up. And I didn't see any blood down the road. I kind of looked on the edge of the road, didn't see any blood. And those, the bullets that I was shooting, I had seen people use those bullets before. And I'd always noticed that they, cause I, I haven't always hunted with these bullets and it was always like this massive right. blood trail. You know what I mean? It was just like this, like carpet, the red carpet treatment that they call it. And I didn't see that. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to back out anyways. I'm going to back out. I'm going to talk to my father-in-law, see what he thinks. And so I get out, I go talk to my father-in-law and he, he he was, his thinking was, he's like, Hey, you don't want to bump this deer because like I said, it's still pretty close to the road and uh, to the property to the South, um, there's a bunch of deer that they kind of go back and forth as well like they'll they'll be deer back and forth people see him crossing the roads and stuff like that and with him being as close as he was to the road i didn't want to just go bumping in there bump him out of there him jump jump the road or something if it was a gut shot or a bad shot or something like that and then just never because i i I know some of the people uh, the people to the south they don't allow anybody to hunt on that property or anything so I didn't know what their (laughs) right what their stance because you're having to balance it right if you push it then you may never see the deer again right. versus, you know, maybe he's, you know, right around the corner yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to back out. He's like, he's like, I would just give him, he goes, I would give him the night. And I'm like, uh, I was like, well, it's like, it's a little close for temperature wise. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, uh, I was like, I was like, I don't know you. I had to talk to you about it. And you're kind of like, oh, did you call a dog? <laughs> I was like, oh, or have you thought about getting a dog out there? And then I was like, well, kind of, I was like, but you're like, oh, and you're trying to tell me all the science behind the dogs and stuff like that. And I was, I was like, well, I, I hadn't found any blood or anything like that. I don't want to bump him. Um, if the dogs get behind him and he just takes off, runs across the road or whatnot. So I just had come to the point. I was like, well, I might've missed. Um, I don't think I did, but I could have missed. Um, so I'm like, I'm just going to give it the night. I finally came up with the conclusion I'm going to give it a night. And me and my father-in-law, I was going to be off the next day anyways. So I'm like, I'm just going to go back there in the morning, sit for the first hour. My father-in-law was going to be hunting in another spot. And he said, hey, after the in an area where he hunts, is kind of one of those deals too. It's like after the first hour, you're not seeing anything because you're just trying to catch deer coming off of um, some of these um, green fields. And so he finally gets to where I'm at in the ground blind. And he's like, hey, you ready to go? look for him. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, and he had been, he's like, Hey, did you hear any coyotes or anything like that? And I was like, no, I, I haven't heard anything. So we get down, we, we walk back down to kind of where I thought I'd shot him at. He's looking, I'm looking, we still can't find any blood. We kind of get in the woods a little bit and there's a bunch of deer trails in there. So you, you can kind of walk the deer trails cause they're kind of beat down in that area, but everything else is pretty thick. So I just pick a random deer trail <laughs> to walk down at this point. And, 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 and which I say random, but just one that was close to where I thought he went in at. And I knew that I had pretty much knew that he had, he was facing the East. So I figured he ran in East. Cause if he would have like whipped around and ran back West, I would have seen him at that point and would have known that he had run that way. So I go in there, I work out and then I look and then I didn't realize this. There was this little opening in there. And there were some like little scrub oaks and stuff like that. And I just happened to walk kind of towards that direction. And then I look over there and there he is dead, probably 50 yards away up next to one of them scrub oaks in the woods. 
So at that point, <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank you. I, and then I'm like, I'm like, I, I was like, I, I was kind of doubting myself. Were you doubting yourself or were you doubting you? the shop? <laughs> well, I was doubting the shop. I, I, I didn't know. I was kind of doubting. I was like, well, I didn't think that I had missed, but then I'd had that weird right, miss right. with the other big deer this year. And I was just like, oh, not again. Please don't, don't, don't let it be like this. So it was just one of those things where, and then my father-in-law <laughs> was pumped. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I was like, I found the deer, I found the deer. Um, and he was all excited. He goes, he goes, yeah, yeah, that's him. That That's, that's the deer I saw <laughs> um, that morning. I was like, well, he's not quite as big as you were describing him as, but I, I could understand it because I was like, right down that road, it does play tricks with you. But I mean, he's still a really good deer, um, for sure. And he was an, like I said, a really big body, really big body deer, um, as well. And then the shot was right where I put the crosshairs. I mean, it was so, um, and it, but it, it, the kind of the way he was angled, um, he was angled, or I was, I was kind of angled taking the shot at him in that ground blind mm-hmm. to kind of where the, how the road was in that spot. So it, it went in shoulder and it looked like it came out like around liver ish area. Um, but I never found blood. Like there was not even any blood where he was dead at. Like I didn't even find a drop dead of blood on the ground where he was dead at. Yeah. It was just, I mean, I'm sure. Which was good. So at this point, I'm thinking, okay, cool. I need to get this deer um, process. But then I'm like I said, I'm also in that competition still, where you can take your deer in and have it put in for the competition. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take it to him. He's a processor. I want to ask him. I'll be like, hey, I left this deer out overnight. What do you think? Because I, I really wanted to kind of know. Because um, I didn't right. want to lose the meat on this deer either. So I get him loaded up. I take him there, which is about 30 minutes from there. And I talk to the processor, tell him what happened. He goes, well, I'm just, I'll just check the deer. I'll, I want to make sure. And he checks the deer, and he was like, oh, no, this this deer's perfectly fine. He's like, I, I don't have any qualms with processing it. I don't think you'll have any issues or anything like that. So I'm like, great, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get it done then. So um, he's at the processor. He's also... And normally, I, the funny part is normally I process on my own deer, but ever since I got in this <laughs> competition thing uh, for this charity event, I've like if I killed a big buck, I've got to, I've got to, t- you've got to t- at least take him over there, and uh, the head right has to stay there, like the cape and head and all that has to stay there because a game warden comes in at the end of each season because like I said there was a bow season, a muzzleloader, and then general gun, and then he measures them about a week after the season. So, and then each little one has like, uh, like the archery, you get a bow, muzzleloader, you get a muzzleloader if you kill the biggest buck during there. And then rifle, you get a rifle. So I was like, well, I'll put him in. I, as far as he knew, uh, like I said, he, he didn't really, all he said was there had been a decent eight point that had been turned in, uh, at this point, but nothing really big had come in as far as competition wise. So we'll see who knows. <coughs> Maybe I'll get a, a, a rifle <laughs> out of dude. As well be, with this yeah. deer. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, that would be nuts to win a bow and yeah. a rifle in the yeah. same uh, <laughs> season. Um, and this is, I mean, it's, it was kind of, it's a, like a, it's like a first responder group that does this thing where they get, you buy tickets to get in. And I, I paid, it was like $10 per season that you had to pay to get in. Um, so it cost me 30 bucks. 
And uh, so I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll get in it. And I, and the funny part was, is before the season, I was like, I had no expectation of ever taking a deer over there, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was just like, oh yeah, I'll give them the 30 bucks. It, it goes towards something, something cool. And, uh, and then, then here I've taken several deer <laughs> over there this year. And as far as I know, my other buck, he said my other buck, which has still been sitting there since archery season is still the biggest deer that they've had in the competition. So maybe I'll That's get a free nuts, mount man. out of that as well. <laughs> so that, that will be, that will be nuts if, if all of those things oh, uh, come together. But, um, so yeah, like I said, I, I got to kind of give my, my father-in-law credit a little bit on this one as well. Um, like I said, it was one of those hunts where I went in, but that's kind of one of the things that I try to tell people all the time is if you can kind of set some of your mm-hmm. stand areas up to where you can sneak into them, then it doesn't matter if you're there three hours before dark and you're already cozied up in your stand waiting for something to come in. If you can get there quiet and have a fa- and that's the thing, I had a favorable wind. The wind was hitting me in the face the whole time I was walking to the spot. Um, so I knew the wind was good. If you know the wind's good and you know you got a spot that you can kind of slip into, I mean, it, maybe this doesn't apply on public, but it could uh, apply on public. But it, uh, it definitely can apply on private land on, like, set some of your areas up to where if you only have an hour in the evening yeah. times, you could still kind of go to those areas if if you want to hunt, where you don't have to be like, okay, i got to sneak in. I've got to get here at this time just to make sure I'm not bumping deer or, or anything crazy like that. Because I've I've had that work out so many times, and it just gets you in the woods more. And a, a lot of like success that I, I I can say that I've had is just putting the time in and getting out and being in the woods. Obviously, I as someone who's out there a bunch is there's going to be a chance that they're going to kill something because they're they're out there so much. Even if they're doing everything wrong. You know what I mean? Like if if somebody goes out every day of the season <laughs> yeah. and they're doing everything wrong most of the time, there's still a chance that they're going that they could kill a big buck just because yeah. <laughs> they're out there all the time. <laughs> I'm not saying everybody can do that. I'm not out there every day. <laughs> um by any stretch of the imagination either. But I just think the more time you're out in the woods, the more time you can spend out there, either scouting or hunting, it will lead yeah. to more I, I think that's a great tip, though, what you just said. Set up some of those spots for quick hunts. I think that's something I could be doing more of, especially in early season before the time changes. I've got some uh, public pieces that are right around the corner from work. I mean, I could be there in, <clears throat> I don't know, 15 minutes. And so what if it's only a two-hour hunt? Yeah. Get in there, maybe do an observation hunt from afar, but... That's intel, that's that's, t- that's time and exposure, and as your story tells, you don't have to be there long for it to happen. I mean, you know, especially, I think, early season, especially yeah. early season, because I think those deer are moving, like, right before dark, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you, if you find yourself sitting there for three hours or t- two and a half hours every hunt, and you're not seeing a deer till the last 20, 30 minutes till dark, then... Uh, to me, you're wasting two yeah. hours in the woods <coughs> for the most part. Not necessarily wasting it, but if you have a chance of saying, I'm not going to go because I can't be there a couple hours before, then maybe kind of change your way of thinking to go, okay, well, even if I go, this may be a good observation sit for the last 30 minutes of the hunt. Maybe I observe something that I haven't seen before, and maybe I can go, okay, well, cool. 
maybe the next time I can hunt and have time to hunt, then I'm going to go set up over there because you saw something right. while you were sitting there that evening for the, right. the 30 or minutes to an hour right. um, that you had to hunt. And, and, it, and it makes it a little bit easier when you can hunt with a rifle um, as well. I'm not saying uh, – and I can understand being there a little bit early for bow because you're kind of getting a lot closer into some of these uh, – some of these deer, but I've had it work for bow as well, um, to be able to just sneak in, uh, to some of the areas. So it, it can so work for either one. Let's, let's back up a little bit. You're, you scout year round. People don't know that. I mentioned that earlier. You're pretty well doing inventory year round and you rely, I feel pretty heavily on trail cameras. Not so much in the sense that like you live and die by what the trail camera says, but I feel like you do a lot of work by putting a lot of eyes in the woods, how, how does, how do trail cameras really fit into your strategies? Well, I like trail cameras for inventory purposes uh, a lot. Um, and it also for like historical, I like them for historical Mm -hmm. data, obviously. Um, kind of like how we talked about it with, uh, Andy May and it kind of lets me know that the deer, if I think deer are going to be in that area at that particular time of year, then I put trail cameras in those areas to kind of just give me the, um, I don't know, justification or whatever that they're, they're there. Um, and I'm at the point now, it's not necessarily that I'm, I, I kind of like to target specific deer a lot. Like, you know, that as well, kind right. of on my private pieces. Um, maybe on, on public, I'm not really target, targeting specific buck uh, for the most part. But on the private areas, I've got kind of specific bucks that I kind of like to target because I know they're right. uh, mature or they're they're that class that um, I want to take. So that's kind of what I'm using the trail camera for. just kind of gives me, okay, there is a buck in this area that I want to go after as opposed to spending a lot of time there and – they're not there. Not saying that trail cameras catch everything, but they definitely, if they're in the right spots or, like I said, you just happen to catch that deer in that area, then it kind of gives you or kind of gives me a little more confidence being in there. And that that's how I use my trail cameras. And I use them, I mean, I use them. Sometimes I put cameras and just let them soak even during the, uh, once the season's over. Just to kind of be, just to kind of get an inventory. Okay, the, these deer made it. Um, in Florida, the the bucks don't lose their antlers as soon as other states. Um, I've seen bucks still holding in March and almost April sometimes their antlers. So that's kind of something unique, right? Uh, to to our state is that the bucks hold their antlers longer, so you can kind of get an inventory of them longer. And I'll set them up over watering holes and uh, areas like that, and Last season, that's how I knew on the one property that all the bucks that um, I had kind of been chasing made it through the season. And it, it also showed me that it looked like they were still kind of rutting some <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> once the season was over, which I was like, are you kidding me? Right. But, I mean, it's Florida. The, like I said, we all, we've always talked about that. It almost right. seems like they breed year-round. Um, like there is like a kind of an area, like a part of the season where you're like, okay, right. yeah, this is what we would consider the rut. But there's so many does that it right. seems like they just right. don't get them all that first go-round. Um, 
And I saw, like I said, I saw a buck with a doe right at the beginning of the season. Um, I haven't seen, and then I've seen, like I said, I've seen some chasing and stuff on my cameras um, in December. But as far as January this year, I, I haven't seen any bucks. With, now, I've, now the, the does are definitely still wary of the bucks. Like any time a buck goes, comes around, they're, they're like getting away from them and don't want to be bothered still. So I'm assuming some of the like small bucks and stuff, they're still kind of right. bothering the does. Um, to where they they just don't tolerate them as much um, as they would, but yeah, it, it helps me. And then in some of those cameras right. that are there, they, right. they help me catch turkeys. You know what I mean? Like they'll catch turkeys when they come into the areas. Um, and then I'll put them out, and I don't monitor them as much. Like I, I will monitor them some kind of during the growing season, like what what we call the growing season, their antlers and stuff. But it, it's I don't monitor them as much then. Um, I do kind of have a little bit of time where I'm not running trail cameras, but that's usually it's usually only a couple of months where I'm not like checking right the trail on. cameras and stuff. Like so that. let's um, let let's get let's throw out a scenario here. We got a lot of people that are asking us for information, a lot of people that are asking for like, hey, how do I go about finding this or that? And I really feel like maybe what you and I need to do is find some way of like chronicling like scouting series or how to hunt. I, you and I are going to have to brainstorm on this further, but th- we have a fair amount of dudes in the state of Florida that are reaching out, specifically the state of Florida. And I think it would be awesome for them to hear from a dude who can get it done in Florida hunting the similar terrain from them. Uh, for these guys that are out there trying to scout, trying to pinpoint deer movement, how do you recommend they go about um, finding deer, but also uh, patterning. Patterning's the wrong word. What are you looking for when you enter the woods for the first time or several times over? What advice would you give them? All right. Well, there's there's several things. Um, like I said, I, I use trail cameras to, to kind of help me uh, uh, find deer. But you can also go and look at historical sign in the woods. Like rub lines, the rubs pretty much are always there. Like you can all you can see old rubs uh, in the woods. Um, I'll, I'll use those areas. I will scout for like especially early season and stuff like food sources, like acorns on the ground are, are something that that's big down here. Find it and it doesn't and it seemed like here it's like feast or famine <laughs> in, in Florida um, for uh, for acorns. And uh, some of, and some of it is just getting going in. I do a lot of like observation sits, is what I like to call them. Um, so if even if I if I go into an area, I, I don't mind like going in and like protruding in, especially when it's not the season and stuff for areas to look. Because um, I mean, I'll look for bedding and stuff like that, and if I find like specific beds and things like that, then I I'll normally go okay. That's probably was probably a buck bed as opposed to like a lot of times you'll find beds where there's like three, four or five beds where there's just does bunched up together um, where, where they're bedding. But a lot of like I would attribute my success to is just going out in the woods, getting into an area, especially during the season and picking times to observe as opposed to hunt, especially when your wind's your wind's not good. I used to make a lot of mistakes early on. 
Like, wind wasn't even a factor for me probably the first couple of years that I hunted. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while to learn how much the wind was because I'd constantly right, have does right. blowing at me. You know what I mean? It's just like, I was like, I was like, I can't get, I can't get a deer, especially during both season. I was like, I cannot get a deer close to me because these does are always winding right. me or, or blowing at me. And then I finally, I was like, it's like a uh, dumb, dumb. That's because uh, they're down. They're coming in right. down wind of you every time. <laughs> and uh, that's why you're not seeing uh, the bucks as well. <laughs> um, Cause I've, from what I've noticed in the woods with bugs a lot of times is they don't necessarily, they don't, sometimes they'll blow every now and then. But what I've noticed from seeing them, um, is that they'll, they'll just like sit in an area for a while, especially if they like catch like, right. a, like your wind or something. Like even if it's just a little bit and they'll just sit in that area. I've seen them sit there for like 20 minutes, just sitting there staring, looking around, licking their nose. Um, and then just have them turn around. Like, they've just decided, hey, no, um, <laughs> right. I'm not going that way. <laughs> and, you're just, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, that buck was headed straight for me. And you're like, oh, well, that's, what, that's because the wind's <laughs> kind of either has shifted or is swirly or whatnot. And <laughs> I quit. It took, like I said, it took me a while to finally realize it's like to quit hunting Right. Like marginal winds and stuff. Um, like specifically going to areas where I thought I might have like buck encounters and um, deer encounters is to just get back and do observation sits or set up somewhere else random where you think, because Florida, like I said, sometimes you, you do get swirling winds and stuff like that. Um, but where I'm at, you do, you, you will get some of your more consistent winds. And if you use that to your advantage even going into where you're hunting as well um i like i said you you kind of gotta figure out where which is kind of hard to do in florida where a lot of your deer are budding (laughs) and Mm -hmm. but there are areas where a lot of deer do bed they they really like i said from what i've kind of noticed over the last five six years is if you've got like an area that's been clear cut within the last three or four years and stuff like that. And it's grown up pretty good and they, they haven't done anything with it. Um, I've noticed that they like to bed in those areas or like if they, they've planted pines in the last three or four years and there's a bunch of growth in there, they, they like to bed in those areas um, because no one's walking through those areas. No, no one's busting through those areas. And a lot of times, like I said, you what you need to do especially if you find yourself in a rut you're not you're not seeing deer and you need to go set up in other areas where you think you're not going to see a deer <laughs> like just just take some hunts and go set up in areas on whatever properties you're you're hunting um because you'll be surprised deer, um deer deer will will bed will bed in odd spots like i said i've i've had what you hear all the time is um, people call them the, the gate deer or whatever, like where you're going into a property and there's deer that are that are bedded within 40 or 50 yards of the, the front gate. And I've seen that time and time again um, where, they're, where, they're, where they're bedded in those areas. And then I've, like I said, I've gone to areas where I'm like, I'm just going to scout this area just, just to see. And you find a bunch of deer sign, whether it be like a lot of times you say, like you find deer droppings or you find rubs or 
sometimes you can even find like old scrapes. Like you can go through the woods and you can tell where an area, especially like in pine flats and stuff like that, you can tell where areas have been or where they're where they've scraped there before. Um, and I'll put a, a bunch of cameras over scrapes. Um, scrapes are a good are a great place to put cameras to get intel on on your deer. You'll ca- like you may not come you may not catch them coming to that scrape regular, but you'll catch a lot of different deer coming to those scrapes. Um, especially like if you find like a big community scrape or something like that, or it seems like every right. year <laughs> in the woods is, uh, they'll, they'll hit that scrape when they come in the area. Um, and those are normally like bigger, <laughs> like the size of your, the hood on your vehicle or something like just, just, just these big beat down scrape areas as opposed to like more of like a, a rut style scrape or whatnot, where it's like their calling car, just letting them know, Hey, I'm in the woods. Uh, or I'm in this area. Um, so as as far as and a lot, like I said, Florida's difficult because you don't have a lot of terrain features necessarily. Say that they they kind of use up north, but there are areas that you have like pinch points and stuff where that funnel deer either way, whether it be uh, like property line boundaries or whatever, or we're two like separate. Um, types of terrain kind of come together like we mentioned before like where you got pine flats or these pines these younger pines that kind of transition into hardwoods like I've always had luck in those areas where they're just kind of skirting the edge of the hardwoods um, using that so you gotta to me you kind of got to put if you're want to be serious about hunting you got to put in the time of scouting right those kind of areas to figure out okay well what what are my what are the deer in my area doing um and are there any seasonal trends that you notice um because seasonal trends can make a difference like there are certain properties that are good early season like they're they are good early season and then they fizzle out and it seems like it's like where, where did all the deer go well, deer are going to go where the food is. <laughs> you may have had some food early season, but you may not have it late season. And the neighbors may have late season food, and they're all hung up over at the neighbors. Or it's just a property that no one's hunting over there. It's just a big abandoned piece of property, and they, they feel safer over there. Um, or you may have deer that come in during the rut because you got a bunch of does. I've got some property, a property like that, where there's just a pile of does. And you see bucks that you've never seen on camera more off there's been i've in that area i've killed more bucks that i've just had never seen on camera or anything in that area um especially when it comes to during the rut um because i had because we had the does um in that area so you kind of got to figure out your property in that sense too or where, where you're hunting is like oh is this is this a good early season is it good year all year because it's a big enough piece of property right you're kind of maintain there um and focus your efforts probably then so if you know that you've got a kind of like a rut property then you probably don't want to be spending a lot of time in there before that (laughs) busting through the woods you kind of want to let your deer maybe especially your does and stuff let them feel safe on that property and then when you finally do go in it hasn't been pressured yeah and and they're still moving around freely um i've noticed that before where we just left the property alone we didn't even touch it during bow season and then we went there uh, once muzzleloader opened up, and it was there were deer everywhere. <laughs> deer were still deer were moving around like 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 you you would see them kind of early season where there hadn't been any pressure there yet. 
So if once you start to figure out that hunting yeah. is like a big puzzle <laughs> and you, you start putting the pieces of the puzzle together <laughs> and then once you've kind of got all these pieces of the puzzle together, you start noticing the success from it. I, it doesn't, I, I didn't get, and I'm not saying I'm a great deer hunter or anything by any stretch of the imagination, but I didn't get to where I'm at today just because, uh, right. I've just been going out into right. the woods a few times a year and things, uh, lucky things are happening for me. Um, I'm putting in, uh, the time and, and I, and like I said, I'm lucky I have more time than most to be right. able to devote yeah. to that. But, um, but I do think like some people like once even like Andy was talking about like figuring out certain areas and only going to those areas certain times of the those times of the year when you're going in for uh that that you know you're going in for a kill as opposed to I'm just going to hunt here just because I can hunt but I I don't really have the expectation or know that that something's going to happen um, sometimes it's better to just sit back and observe or just, uh, there's a lot of times I'll go and I'll just sit in areas with binoculars and I'll try to see what the deer are doing and, and make a game plan on that. So there, there's a bunch of stuff you can do. And my advice, my main advice is just to get out into the woods, yeah. put some boots on the ground and, uh, and then just listen to other people that have had success and try to find out if your right. situation relates to that. Um, that that's what I do. I do that a lot as well. Um, I, I, I try to find and pick the brains of other hunters that have had success over the years and try to apply my situation to theirs and, and see if, hey, maybe I've been going about this wrong. Maybe it just took me seeing how someone else does it to figure out, oh, okay, well, let me try this. Um, and like I said, it took me a while. And so, like I said, you gotta, you gotta be willing to be, uh, I say mobile as in the fact you can't just say, if if you want to be successful, you can't just say, well, I'm not going to hunt that area because I can't hunt out of a saddle. <laughs> like, and it took me a while to figure out, I was like, well, you can kill deer from the ground. You don't even need a stand. You don't need a ground blind. You don't need nothing. And then I was like, okay, well, shoot, I, I've killed deer just on the ground before just going into a certain spot and sitting on the ground. Right. I mean, you see the hunting public do it all the time where they're going in and they're just sitting on the ground. Um, granted <laughs> the deer are a little bit more spooky, <laughs> um, down here and it may be difficult with a bow, um, with a gun. It's probably, it's definitely a little bit more easy. Um, but there's been a lot of times this year I just went and sat on the ground, um, in certain areas. And like I said, a lot of it was observation sits, but sometimes your observation sits turn into <laughs> a, a kill. So I, I've had that happen plenty of times. So be, be willing to be yeah. mobile, be willing to move around, and be willing to go to areas where you think you're not going to see deer. Um, not like I said, not every hunt needs to be uh, um, uh, a hunt to where you're diving into your best spots right r- right away. Um, some of the, some of your best hunts are hunts that you j- you learn valuable information and you're able to use it later. Yeah, man. I think that's something I'm trying to. I think I'm trying to employ a lot of what I've been watching you do, a lot of what Andy does, and that is just and, and this is this is the unfortunate answer for a lot of you guys who are asking like how do I do this? You 
I can tell you what to do. Chase can tell you what to do. We can even show you what to do. But realistically, your area is going to look a little different than ours. The deer are going to act a little different. The pressure is going to be a little bit different. And you just got to get in there and figure it out. You got to bust deer out. You got to walk in and and, and blow deer out. And, and, and take all of that as like part of your evidence. If you're walking in the dark every day to your spot and you pass deer at a certain spot every day, but then you don't see them where you're going, well, figure it out. Adjust. You know, that's that's intel. And I think uh, I've been a little too passive this year. I think I should have been more aggressive at certain times. And uh, other times I was too aggressive. Like, I feel like I started off the season, like, really swinging for the fences. And um, then I got too casual. <laughs> it just the pendulum swung. So it's a learning process that everybody's got to go through. And, and uh, we're here to help as much as we can. But the most important thing is you get out there and you do it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, feel free, like I said, yeah. feel free to reach out to us. Absolutely. And we'll help you any way we can. Uh, and if we don't know the answer, there's a good chance yeah. that I know someone who does. And I can, we can right. get an answer for you for sure. Um, or if we just don't know, we, we simply just, don't we'll know. tell you straight up, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we don't know. We don't know everything. I definitely don't know everything. Like I said, I, I still feel like I've got a ton to learn and figure out. Um, and that, that's the best part about hunting is knowing that, Hey, you, you got to keep learning. You got to be willing to adapt. And if, if you truly want to be like successful and if, and, and I still, and like I said, it's still fun for me, even like that's, this is what makes it fun for me is going out and trying to figure all this stuff out. It's not like I'm using this as like it's a job or anything else like that like i really just it really gets me going trying to figure deer out what what they're doing why they're doing and a lot of times like the second i think i know i've got deer figured out they right. show me something that i've never seen before and i'm going yeah, no i de- definitely don't have these deer figured out oh yeah and that's the best part For about sure. it well dude so, let's let's wrap this thing up man um, let's uh Let's take a pin in it, and we're going to come back to this. I think you and I, we're going to start drafting some things up. And, guys, seriously, what Chase said, if, if you got questions, reach out. If you'd like us to break down certain things, we can go out and find people if we can't give you the input ourselves, and uh, there, there, there's plenty of options out there. So let us know what you'd like to see. The year is young. We've got some fun people lined up, some awesome podcasts coming up. I know that I'm going to be doing a little bit of driving here to do some in-person podcasts with some local guys. So, uh, all the things that we told you were coming that we set the foundation for in 2019, they're just going to keep getting better. And once again, I just want to thank everybody who makes this possible from the Patreon sponsors to, uh, tethered for supporting this show. Thank you for doing what you're doing and allowing us to get on the airwaves and talk to you like we are until next time. Y'all enjoy the great outdoors and get outside. I'm Will Cooper, host of hunt stands, make your mark podcast. If you haven't already, Download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.